Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Good morning, everyone. First off, I'd like to thank the Assembly for allowing me to speak today. Um, And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Kyle Wilkes. Um, I'm married to my lovely wife, Julie. We have four kids, uh, Bree, Resner, Brixley, and Carver, and we love them all. Um, So we sang that new song, Victory. Um, And one of my friends that uh, I work with, he, uh, he talked to me this week. And by the way, I just, I really love that song, Victory. Um, and between knowing that that song was coming up this week and then talking to my buddy Clifford, uh, I was, he calls, he, he calls me early in the morning one day and, and he has some question. And I, I tell him, and I was just, I was really wound up because of stuff that was happening with bills that were getting passed in Washington or were supposed to get passed. And, uh, and I was wound up about it. And I'm talking to Clifford and he's a real calm, calm guy. Like he just, there's no highs, there's no lows. He's just f- kind of flatlined. He speaks very monotone. So, I mean, I was kind of just unloading on him. Man, can you believe this? And he's like, yeah, that's not good. And he's like, Kyle, you know what? He's like, I feel like that, you know, there's some things that aren't just really in our control and that what we've got to focus on is just the people, the community, the, the interaction, the things that kind of are in our control, you know, affect those things. And it's like the butterfly effect, Kyle. And, you know, he spoke a little wisdom to me. And I, so I calmed down. I'm like, okay, I think you're right, Clifford. Maybe, maybe I just need to take a chill pill. So uh, between that little conversation and just doing some thinking over the past week, uh, I kind of, I started asking myself the question of what does victory look like for us? What should it look like? Um, If you guys are like me, sometimes you get this very, uh, I don't really know what to call it other than like an American style victory, right? As Americans, we naturally root for the underdog. I don't know why, but that's what we do. And you kind of always are rooting for this underdog. And then in the end, he raises the trophy and he conquers and nobody saw it coming. You know, and that's, and that in my mind for me is how I see a lot of victory. That's what I like. When I, like, that's what I want to see that. Come on, Yahweh, make it happen. That's what I want to see, right? But maybe sometimes I need to look at it through a different perspective. And there's lots of stories in the Bible where that type of victory is not necessarily how the outcome was, even though from a heavenly victory or from a kingdom victory, they very much conquered. So um, with that, with that lead in, uh, that takes me to um, a plane headed to Colorado. So this was spring break and we had not gone anywhere in a while because some of the rules that, uh, and you know, we're like, hey, let's go to Colorado and let's go skiing and let's take the kids. 
So, I mean, it sounded like a fun idea. So, um, we did. We, we got them all tickets on American Airlines, a very, very nice airline. And, uh, you know, when, when I was thinking about getting on this plane, I'm thinking like, all right, this is what victory looked like to Kyle riding a plane. It was, it was man, maybe I'm going to get two bags of peanuts, you know. Maybe they'll make a mistake on my seats and put us in first class. I knew that wouldn't happen. Not an American. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe we'll get an extra soda pop. That also didn't happen. Um, but so, you know, you're kind of looking, hey, man, maybe this will be great. Maybe they'll put us all together. So we have all, I have all this, like, ideas. Now, I don't know if any of you guys have flown with you know, small children lately are in large groups on a plane. But let me tell you, it's a very humbling experience. It's very humbling. Like, uh, you know, the, the whole airplane setup is kind of humbling anyway. You walk in, you do this past first class, try not to make eye contact with anyone. You move to your seat. And if you're me, they put you at seat 30 every time. So you're right by the bathroom and your seat doesn't recline. Hey, no big deal. Um, so it's kind of a humbling experience. Now you add in there, and then you have somebody like you're 12 telling you when you can use the bathroom, like when you can get on your phone, when you can do all these things. So it's, it's a little humbling. And then you add in all these little, these kids, right? And then the whole thing, so like you're in the waiting room about to load on the plane, and everybody, you know what they're thinking, they're looking at you with all your kids. And Carver was being just a perfect little angel. Uh, and they're kind of just looking over there and, go, and they're thinking all the same thing. Man, I hope I'm not sitting by those guys. And somebody had to sit by us. So we load into this plane. And it goes good until about, about the time we take off. Carver begins to cry very dramatically. You know, and they put us right behind first class. So I can, I'm behind Julie and I can see everybody in first class kind of looking back at us like, are you gonna make him be quiet? <laughs> We're trying. Uh, so he just starts going nuts on this plane and apparently he had a dirty diaper. So maybe you don't have experience changing diapers on a plane, but if you take kids on a plane, you change a diaper on, the, on these little planes that they had, this is a very small plane, for like a commercial plane. So the bathroom is about the size of this. So Julie it takes Carver back there. She's changing his diaper on the floor of this little bathroom. It was almost a miracle in itself that she was being able to do that. Meanwhile, we had our nephew, Law. I don't know, Law's nose starts bleeding. We don't know why, but we are very high up in the air. So I don't know, maybe that had something to do with it. And, and now Bree, when she got on the plane, she was my oldest. And like, I don't know if she misread her ticket or what really, but she wounds up sitting uh, next to the window. And it was not her seat, but this, this, this uh, young man says, hey, that's, that's fine, I'll just sit here in your seat. But the problem was Julie kept needing Bree to get her stuff out of the diaper bag and get this and get that. And Bree's on the corner asleep. So she's constantly hitting this guy going, hey, can you wake her up? Hey, can you wake her up? And this guy is starting to kind of get a little annoyed. Uh, but never, never fear. We begin to land. And I'm thinking to myself, and we're all together. So it's kind of like, 
we're that group up there. You know, everybody's watching like, oh my gosh. So we start to land and, it, and we, we embark and we've been cramped in this plane like, like sardines for the last two hours. And we pull up and I'm thinking, okay, we're fixing to get out of here. And honestly, I'm kind of feeling a little sick at this point. I don't know why. So I take the little paper bag and I set it down in my seat. I got Brixley beside me. We're landing, you know, just in case. I want to be prepared. And uh, the, the, the American Airlines lady comes on the intercom and says, okay, due to COVID rules, we're going to disembark sections at a time. And I'm ready to get off of this plane. Like, oh man. So of course they're like, okay, first class you go. And then they wait some longer. I don't know why we've been together all this time. <laughs> and then they're like, okay, and this, okay. So they release everybody off this plane, except our, our row right here. <laughs> but we're fixing to go. It's fixing to be our turn. But just as they're fixing to announce, in fact, I think they do announce, okay, roll 11. Y'all can now get up and disembark. We start to get up. Brixley looks at me and goes, Mrr. I'm like, <laughs> so I've grabbed the bag and I stick it in front of her and she starts throwing up. So the lady who's been sitting right behind us, she just slams on the brakes. She's not letting, she's not walking past. Like this is, this is now Corona zone. She's not, she is holding the whole plane hostage because she will not pass. And I'm kind of like, go lady, go. Like, and, and I'm like this. And, and, and Brixley continues to throw up on this plane. So it's, and, and the lady just sits there the whole time, never, never walked, just like skims by, like I, I was hoping she would. So anyway, then you have this bag and you're just kind of like, so do I, do I leave it? Or do I hand it to you? They're like, oh, here you go. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what you do. This has never happened before. So I just left it. Like, like uh, I, I think that's what they want. So, so then, so we're scurrying out. And at this point, so remember earlier, my, my plane victory would have been the two bags of peanuts. Now I'm just trying not to get arrested by the Corona cops. That's my mission. I'm like, Julie, hey, when we get here, let's get our bags and let's get out. They'll put us in quarantine or something. So when we walk out of this plane, you know, everybody's waiting to get their bags. And it, as a kid, did your parents ever like give you that bowl and put pepper and salt in it? And then you put joy soap on your finger and you, you stick it in there and everything goes, Doom. well, we walk out, hey guys. And, and everybody's just kind of like, hmm. <laughs> and I don't blame them actually, because, but perspective. Perspective is what we need in the society that we live in today. Like I said earlier, I sometimes find myself imagining this wonderful victory and all these great things happening. And I find myself getting extremely frustrated, almost to the point of like just walking around a little angry at like stuff that goes on, stuff that goes on. But if you, if you read in Philippians chapter four, verse four, it says, Rejoice in Yahweh always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. Yahweh is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to Yahweh. And the peace of Yahweh, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Yahshua Messiah. 
if you remember, Yahshua in the New Testament and in the Gospels, he was constantly kind of preparing us, warning us. says, hey, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to worship me, if you're going to live for my Father, things will be difficult. This is a narrow path we're on, right? So in Matthew 24, verse 9, Yeshua says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulations and put you to death, and you will be hated by all the nations for my namesake. Revelations chapter 2, verse 10 says, Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Isn't that what we all want? We all want the crown of life. But there's all these warnings. Yahshua's warning us like, hey, these things are going to happen. Why was he doing that? He was doing that because he knows, hey, I needed to prepare. I need to prepare people so that they know. Have you ever been like walking down a hall and you've seen like grown men walking down and something jumps out and scares them, right? Because they're not expecting it. So they pull back. Yahshua warns us so when that, so there's, that we're not scared. When something jumps out, we're prepared. We know it's coming. If you know your kid's hiding around the corner about to jump out and scare you, you're not going to jump back, right? Uh, but if you don't know it, it is kind of scary. <laughs> Luke 6 verse 22 says, Blessed are you when people hate you, and when you exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. John 15 Verse 18 says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours. I want us to think about what our victory looks like, right? There's a, lot of, there's a lot of things that we have to do personally with getting the sin out of our lives. There's a lot of things that we have to do here on earth to make ourselves better, to make our family members better, and to constantly be, be growing up to salvation. Um, you know, one of our main things that I think we're all called to do and that is a big victory for us is to constantly be pushing back darkness. Like our job is to push darkness away, is to fight for life, push darkness away and be a lot to the people that we can impact. We want to impact the world. We want to impact our, our country, our state, but sometimes our biggest impact and our biggest victory can be the person inside our home, can be the person inside the assembly. <clears throat> Mark 13, 13 says, and you will be hated by all on my account of my name, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So this life is going to be difficult. We have to endure the the, the static, the ridicule that we're going to have. Like you're not, we're always going to be a little different. We're, always, uh, we're never going to be accepted by society. I heard on the radio just 
recently, uh, this lady was talking and she's like, and it was in a negative tone about somebody. And she says, yeah, there, he's like a big creationist. I mean, really far right. Like, is that so far right? Is that so crazy? Like, go back 50 years ago, everybody was a creationist. A creationist means you believe Yahweh created the world. That's a really radical thought. Like, where, where are we going, right? So those kind of things are, you know, you can get wound up on them sometimes and just be like, you know, you hear these things and it's so frustrating. And you're always looking for that Red Sea victory, right? Like that was, that was awesome. Where you're sitting there, your enemies are coming at you and then boom, Yahweh parts the Red Sea for you. But for every Red Sea story, there's a story that is, a li- that is just a little different where maybe that wasn't the plan. So we, Yahweh, we don't know the future, but we know who holds the future. Yahweh has our future. Yahweh knows what's on the other side of the hill. You know, I, one thing I think Yeshua was warning us for is every, you guys have all heard about the... Uh, the frog deal where you like stick a frog in a pot of water and you turn it on a little bit warm and then you get it a little bit more warmer. And after a while, the frog like just boils because it's, you slowly raise the temperature. So that's a lot of people in the world, I think, but that's not us. If we're reading the scriptures, that shouldn't be us. If we're doing what we should be doing, we should know that those society and what's accepted and what's not accepted may change Yahweh's word doesn't change. In times when, when we feel like we're struggling, you know, it's, uh, we must always remember like what Yahweh did for us. If you remember all the victories, and a lot of times if you're like me, like you don't really know the victories until you look back on your, your life and you start seeing all these victories that he gave you. But at the time, they may not have felt like you may have thought, man, I'm really in a pinch here. And you may have been, but Yahweh gives you these victories. Yahshua, the, the same. <clears throat> so what does our victory look like? What does our earthly, what should it look like? Um, I think it's fairly simple. It's love Yahweh, keep his commandments, push back darkness as much as it depends on us. Push back darkness. Matthew 5, 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So as we let our light shine, we're not doing it for our glory, of course. We're doing it for Yahweh's glory. We're doing it for the salvation that we find through Yahshua. I want you to think about this. When Joseph, Joseph's a a great story, right? And it's kind of, it's kind of, he kind of had his Red Sea moment like when, you, when you read the story. But if you, if you kind of compartmentalize that story, Joseph probably didn't feel that way as all this thing was happening to him. So when Joseph's, you know, when all of his brothers don't like him, you know, he's probably like, dead gum, nobody likes me. So he probably didn't feel real good. And then they throw him in this pit. They throw Joseph in the pit. Well, Joseph is in this pit and he's probably not thinking 
You know what I'm going to pray to Yahweh? I'm going to pray, Yahweh, I'm king of Egypt, our second command of Egypt. He wasn't praying that. He couldn't see that. He was probably praying that he would get out of this pit, right? But he don't see, just like us, he don't see the plan. He don't know the plan. You know, you don't know, we don't know why certain things happen. We don't know what's on the other side of the mountain. But if you look at, and then Joseph, then his next thing is he's sold into slavery. He was probably thinking, oh man, I prayed. I was a good guy. I was praying about getting out of the pit and you got me out of the pit and you just threw me into slavery. At least in the pit, I was in my own country, you know? And maybe, so, but now he's a slave. And then he goes and he kind of thinks life's going good. And then he goes into prison and he stays there forever. But at the end, Yahweh lifts him up, which is what he does with our lives and what we ultimately, if we endure till the end, we ultimately, that's where we all wind up. But Yahshua tells us that most likely it's not going to be easy. Most likely it's going to be, you know, rather uncomfortable. Uh, Matthew 7, verse 13 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. I feel like that in all of our lives, we all know the story of Esther. Uh, I'm not sure. A couple of messages ago, maybe last message, they, somebody talked about Esther a little bit. Right? Esther had this moment when she could go left or right. She could be like, I don't want to do anything or I need to go, you know, basically put my life at risk to save my countrymen, right? And Mordecai, what did he tell her? He says, hey, listen, this is a, Yahweh's giving you this opportunity. He don't need you. He don't need, like, it's not, this whole thing is like, oh man, if Esther doesn't do this, I don't know how I'm gonna save the kids, the, you know, children of Israel. Like he didn't, he's like, if, he'll raise somebody else up if you don't do it. And she did it. I think, it's, I think there's a high probability that in this life, we may all find our own moment that we have to stand in the gap. As, especially the way, you know, the, the society's going. And we, and we put it in his hands when we do. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it is the way of death. And that's what we're, we're finding out that man's foolishness in this society seems to have no real bounds. Um, it's like nobody is, is willing or able, I guess, to say that the emperor has no clothes. Um, if you look at, please turn to Psalms 37. Uh, and we're going to read the whole chapter. You guys who were here last week know I like to read. So we'll turn to Psalms 37 and we're gonna read the whole chapter because it's just a great, great chapter. Uh, 37, one that says, do not fret because of evildoers, but be not envious toward wrongdoers for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herbs. Trust in Yahweh and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in Yahweh and he will give you the desire of your heart. Commit your ways to Yahweh. Trust also in him and he will do it. And he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in Yahweh and wait patiently for him. 
Do not fret because of him. Who prospers in his way because of the wicked man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. For evil doers will be cut off. But those who wait for Yahweh, they will inherit the land. Yet a little while and the wicked man will be no more. And you will look carefully for his place and he will not be there. But the humble will inherit inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnash at him with his teeth. Yahweh laughs at him, for he sees his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and bent their bows to cast down the afflicted and the needy, to slay those who are upright in conduct. Their sword will enter their own heart and their bows will be broken. Better is the little of the righteous than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked will be broken and Yahweh sustains the righteous. Yahweh knows the days of the blameless and their inheritance will be forever. They will not be ashamed in the time of evil and in the days of famine they will have abundance. But the wicked will perish and the enemies of Yahweh will be like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke, they vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not pay back. But the righteous is gracious and gives. For those blessed by him will inherit the land. But those cursed by him will be cut off. The steps of a man are established by Yahweh. And he delights in his way. When he falls, he shall not be hurled headlong. Because Yahweh is the one who holds his hand. I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging for bread. All day long he is gracious and lends. And his descendants are a blessing. Depart from evil and do good. So you will abide forever, for Yahweh loves justice and does not forsake his godly ones. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his his Elohim is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked spies upon the righteous and seeks to kill him. Yahweh will not leave him in his hand or let him be condemned when he is judged. Wait for Yahweh and keep his way and he will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. I have seen a violent wicked man spreading himself like a luxuriant tree in its native soil. Then he passed away and lo, he was no more. I sought for him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man and behold the upright, for the man of peace will have prosperity, but transgressors will be altogether destroyed. The posterity of the wicked will be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is from Yahweh. He is their strength in time of trouble, and Yahweh helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. You know, in a lot of ways, we have to kind of maybe adjust our way of thinking about what an earthly victory looks like. An earthly victory looks like us raising up kids for the kingdom, uh, us, you know, growing the kingdom of Yahweh, putting treasure in heaven and not on earth. That's what it looks like here. Um, think, about, think about Job for a second. Okay, so there's Job down on earth, living a, living a pretty good life, doing all the right things. And think about this. And, there's, and then Yahweh says, hey, have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on earth. He's, I mean, he's kind of bragging on him, right? And poor old Job's down there. He, <laughs> I mean, of course, he loves the attaboys. But 
what was about to hit him, he had no idea. And the devil's like, well, yeah, I mean, it's great. You're helping him and he's doing all this great stuff, but just put a little pressure on him and let's see how great he is, right? So Job has to go through this long, drawn out, I mean, boils. He's throwing ashes on himself. His friends are telling him to roll over and die. I mean, they're telling, and his wife's telling him to curse Yahweh. I mean, there's all these, like he goes through this whole story, right? In, Job didn't, Job didn't know what was ultimately happening. Job didn't know. All, he's just this guy who was doing good. And then bad things started happening. But what he didn't do is he never cursed Yahweh. He never gave up. He never threw away his faith. He said, I know my father in heaven. And he stayed on the narrow path because he knows salvation is there for the one who endures, the one who makes it. That's what, and so, I mean, it's a, it's a great story, but if you're in Job's spot and all these things are happening, you're, you're kind of like, what, what's going on? Like, this is not, this is not what I want. <clears throat> but sometimes that's what victory. So did Job have victory? Uh, yes, he did. And at the end, they raise it, you know, Yahweh raises him back up and gives him double portion of what he had. But here on earth, we're not necessarily in charge of results, but we are in charge of planting seeds. We are in charge of cultivating. You know, Yahweh sends the rain, but we have our effort, we control. We control effort and we control our faith and we control our sinfulness. <clears throat> I wanna talk, I wanna change gears maybe a little bit uh, uh, here um, because one of the tests that we, we must deal with on earth is just, you know, our sinful nature as, as humans. Our, uh, and, and that and the idea that Yahshua covers all. He covers all, but there's, there's a process to it. You have to ask forgiveness. If you guys remember in John 8 verse 11, um, when they found the woman who's caught in adultery, you know, Yahshua didn't just send her away. Hey, go back and do everything you were doing. Just continue to do that. He says, hey, go and sin no more, right? And that's what we have to do. We have to turn our hearts, we have to turn our minds and we have to change ourselves. And, and that's our victory here is, our, is to change our hearts. Give us a heart. Yahweh wants to give us a heart of flesh. But if you're like me, so many times you have a heart of stone and we've got to give that heart of stone up and we've got to get that heart of flesh. <clears throat> so you remember in the days of Noah, you know, so there's Noah building this ark and everybody thinks Noah's crazy and he's out there building it and he's saying, hey guys, you know, they're going to send there's some waters and there's going to be a flood. And they don't know what he's talking about because nobody's ever seen rain before. So there's Noah building this thing, right? And Yahweh at some point, he says, okay, Noah, get in your boat. I'm going to shut this door and I'm done with these people. I'm, it's over. Like their time to repent was gone. Now it was time for his persecution. Like, and Yahweh sends the rain, right? But he, he, 
He found Noah faithful and he saved him. But it was Yahweh who decided when that time comes. Revelations uh, chapter six, verse 16 says, and they say to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of their wrath is come and who is able to stand? You know, there's coming a time when Yahweh once again says, hey, it's time to wrap this thing up. It's over. You know, lightning will shine from east to the west and Yahshua will come back, but he's not coming back like he did the first time. He's coming back as a lion, the lion of Judah. He's coming back to conquer. And we need, when he comes back, we need to be found in the right condition. Um, and if you're like me, it's a constant battle with, you know, sin. So when I was a kid, my dad had, you know, we, I come from a family of 11 kids. So when you got to, you know, as a father, I can only assume you're always trying to figure out things to make these kids burn up their energy because you got a bunch of them. So dad offered us a little bit of uh, money if we would go around the yard and dig up a bull nettle. And if you don't know what a bull nettle is, it's hurts. I mean, it's this, it's this plant that when you kick it or run through it, it just stings you and gives you big whelps. It's got these little poison in it. So he thought it'd be a great idea to let us like, hey, y'all go dig them up. But, you, but the only way to kill them, you got to dig them up by the root. So he'd say, you got to bring me the root, right? And I think he was offering us like a dollar. Like, and we're like, easy money. So we went to digging and that lasted about half a day. I may have been giving ourselves a little bit. Um, but what we didn't know and what he apparently didn't know is a bull nettle's root is extremely deep. Like, so you got to dig and dig. And for a kid, it felt like you were digging to China. And like, and then you got this measly buck after you worked like seven hours to dig up this one little root. So that program didn't work very long because we caught on. Uh, uh, we ain't a sucker. But, uh, but that's the way that, that sin can be in our lives. Like, you know, it kind of gets in there and it gets its roots and we get comfortable with it. And we got to dig it out. Revelations 22, 12 says, and behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who, who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexual immorality and murders and idolaters and whoever loves and practices lies. Notice what it says. It says, but outside are dogs and sorcerers. And it names all the basically non-believers and sin, sin, sinners. You know, it's, it's that time that's coming when, we get, when it's wrapped up. And then in Revelations, it talks about, let the righteous be righteous. Let the wicked be wicked. And I feel like it's saying that there's a time when it's done. And he wraps it up. We need to find ourselves on the right side of salvation in that time. We need to understand that the Ten Commandments, the law of Yahweh is still in effect. If you're a homosexual, you will not enter the kingdom of Yahweh. If you're a liar, you ain't entering the kingdom of Yahweh. If you are not searching, if you're not following Yahweh, if you're not actively living for Yahweh, and if you're living a life of sin, 
you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. I, that's not my rule. That's what Yahweh says. That's why we have to always be working on ourselves. Always be looking for those roots of evil to pull them out. In, in 1 John 1 and 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, Yahweh wants good for us. That's why he gave us the laws. That's why he gave us our commandments. He wants good for us. He knows what we need. He loves us. He sent his son. In John 3, 16, um, and I actually have a, there's so many verses in the Bible that talk about Yahweh's love for us. But, I mean, I'm just gonna go to the, one of the most famous because I'm running out of time here. But John 3, 16 says, for Yahweh so of the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You know, in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares Yahweh, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Isaiah 43, one says, but now thus says Yahweh, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. For I am Yahweh, your Elohim, the Holy One of Israel, your deliverer. If you, if you would look at 1 Kings 2 and 1, 1 Kings chapter 2 and 1, David is talking to Solomon and he gives him, he gives him a charge. And I just think it's, I just think it's, I just love this, these verses. As David's, time, as David's time to die drew near, he charged Solomon, his son, saying, I'm going the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and show yourself a man and keep the charge of Yahweh your Elohim to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, his testimonies, according to what is written in the law of Moses, that you may succeed in all that you do wherever you turn, so that Yahweh may carry out his promise, which he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons are careful of their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. We live in a world that is full of sin and evil that seems to love death. And we know he, and I can only imagine Yahweh looking down and just seeing the state. And I, I just can't help but think it doesn't remind him of the days of Noah. But we have a salvation through Yahshua. Well, even though we may have shortcomings, if our heart's in the right place and we're working and we're trying and we're asking for forgiveness and then not going right back to that, we too can someday hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Thank you.